Okay, well, here we are. This is Matt Bishop coming to you from the Sulker House podcast, and the tables are turned a bit today. Usually it's Elaine asking the questions and putting others on the hot seat, but I'm sitting here with her mm-hmm. interviewing her today. So I have to be way less bossy than usual. Yes, yes. <laughs> Which is hard for me. Oh, how the tables have turned. <laughs> so uh, Carly's here with us too, and... I don't know. We just felt like it might be fun if she joined us. Yeah. I mean, I personally like to be with Carly at all times. She has a very calming very, presence. Very calming. Oh, thank yeah. you, guys. And I like to look at her face a little bit, too. It's like it calms me down. It's You're like a therapy so dog. Oh, my gosh. I've never I don't th- know if I would like to be compared to a dog. Okay. We digress. We, okay. Um, so we have our tea, and we have our treats, and mm-hmm, we're going to be mm-hmm. very grounded and settled in this Soup's podcast. grounded, yeah. grounded. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea behind this, Elaine, is just to hear about the origin of Soulcare House and your brilliant idea to start it, mm. and just the details of when you had first had the idea and what the um, evolution of it has looked like over the yeah. years, because if you've only ever been to Soulcare House, you might not realize that it's quite a bit different from a lot of the other mental health providers um, most people are accustomed to, um, not just the pretty house um, and the beautiful offices and the space, but um, just the way we view therapy, the way we view the personal journey, the way we view um, therapists and our role uh, walking alongside our clients. It's just a bit different. And so I wanted Mm -hmm. to pick your brain Mm -hmm. and um, get a picture into what your vision was from the start Mm -hmm. and hear the timeline of just how this has all unfolded. Okay, well, I'll do my best. Um, I think the very first time I had this thought about starting my own practice was like a lot of years ago. I had just become a therapist and had been doing that for maybe a few years. And I woke up one morning and I could, I was like in between sleep and awake, right? Where you're just like, oh, right, right in the mm. pocket of like some genius things might come to you. Sure. <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that works for some, of us. For some <laughs> of us. I don't know if we can all relate to it. Usually the only thing I'm thinking is, I hope I can get into a deeper sleep. Yeah, that. Like, me too. Yeah. Do I really have to get up? But for you, you yeah. have genius ideas. Yeah. Great. So um, I, I could see this whole space in my head, which was super odd. I could see this like hardwood floors, a fireplace, um, the tone of the place, the, um, the name of the place. It was the Soul Care House. And... Um, yeah, I could just see there was there was a large area for groups to meet and workshops, um, and there was just like this bustling group, this community of therapists who were like not only doing their work in the same space, but sharing their lives and um, taking care of each other, supporting each other, and talking about the work together. So, but that was probably twenty some years ago. It, so it maybe not literally, but almost literally came to you in a dream. Yes. Yeah, I would, I would say it was like that. And I remember at the time thinking, whoa, this is a really expensive idea. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first thought. But I'm like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to write it down. Mm. Uh, maybe this is something I'm supposed to do. Maybe this is uh, an invitation to something someday. Yeah. Um, so I just wrote it all down and put that in the drawer. I'm like, I don't have the money for that. <laughs> <laughs> that was over 20 years ago. Yeah. And Sulkin yeah. House is how old now? Uh, a, a, we started in 2011, so eight years. So yeah, there were 12 years in between your first yes. vision of it, with the name included. Yes. And it actually, yeah, starting, founding, yeah, yeah. its creation. Mm-hmm. 
that there's a lesson in there, right? <laughs> right. There is. Like yeah. that's actually yeah. really encouraging. I think so many of us have big dreams or ideas, and mm-hmm. especially in our culture of like immediacy and now, yeah, the the idea that we're gonna have to be patient and wait for something right. to really come to fruition over a decade, yeah, yeah, is kind of troubling. Most people, I think, would just forget about it or give up yeah. on it, and you didn't. Well, I think I, I think I didn't know what to do with the idea, uh-huh. right? So. Um, I knew I couldn't afford the idea and I didn't have the space for the idea, right? Like my kids were in elementary school and life was super busy and I was a therapist and like, I, I'm not interested in starting something where I'm going to be responsible for all the things plus clients on top of trying to be a mom who's present for her kids. I just thought there's just no way I can pull that off. Right. At least not with my personality. I don't have the capacity for that much complete complexity at the same time so right um it wasn't until josh my youngest went to college that it, it was like now's the time mm-hmm. now's the time so let's hit rewind a little even more yeah. on this okay so let's go back to you just deciding to be a therapist mm. in general even prior to the vision of soul care house because yeah. you haven't always been a therapist no no so what was that decision like when did you know you wanted to be a therapist Sounds like there was some wrestling with the idea. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, prior to that, I had really thought like, I don't. Therapists are weird, right? Like the ones <laughs> I knew were kind of socially awkward. I'm like, I, I don't see that for myself. Like, I don't know how I'm gonna. I don't. I don't want that. I don't want right? to be socially awkward. <laughs> I don't want to be socially awkward. I mean, maybe I am, and I just, you know. but um, I. I had not had a desire to do that. I was like, I was going to seminary and. Um, getting a master's degree and wanted to sort of work inside the church with kids, with other women, um, and realized at one point that like, you know, I'm a woman at the, this was like in the nineties, right? Like yeah. I'm a woman with a master's in theology and that doesn't actually work anywhere. There's not a lot of doors that are open for <laughs> you at that point. There's not a lot point. of doors. So yeah. like, I wonder what I'm supposed to do with all of this and sort of in the middle of that time, um, Ken and I had sort of reached a crisis point in our marriage and um, somebody suggested that we go see a therapist. And so I called the name that somebody had given me and I was just like, okay, I, I'm clearly in over my head in this relationship and I need help. Mm-hmm. So um, I remember um, her name was Sherry Hummel. I don't know if she's still practicing, but um, I remember walking into her office the first day and she saw me through sort of like the reception window and for some reason, it, I instantly felt her attunement, hmm. like the the look on her face that I see you and I've got you. Um. I just I don't know how she pulled that off. I'd never been looked at like that before, and I just felt like I was coming in such crisis and such fear and disorientation, and to have a person who could who could handle all of that and say with her eyes could say to me I'm with you Mm. I'm with you and this is not too big a problem yeah right so my very first experience of therapy was incredibly healing and um yeah she was a remarkable person uh for me she was super helpful and really helped me sort out the pieces that were mine the pieces that were Ken's the pieces that were particular to our marriage like I, I couldn't have made it through that period of our relationship without her right for sure I think so many of us I, myself included we decided we wanted to become mental health professionals mm-hmm. when we went and saw a mental health professional yeah. and it was transformative yes and changing I have a few friends that are physical therapists and surprise surprise most of them want to become physical therapists 
because they had a sports injury. Yep. And then yep. they were like, oh. This yeah, it can be such a powerful, life-changing experience that you're like, oh, I just want to help other people experience right. this because right. it was so it was so transformative. Right. So I, I really get that when other people say, I, I want to do this. I'm like, I, I know what you're talking about. I w- at the time, I was in a women's group and leading that and leading it from a place of like real detachment, hmm. right? Like I come in with like my seminary education and I'm going to ask the questions and then people are going to give me the answers. And it's always, you know, Jesus said so. Those are the answers to all the questions. Yeah. Right? And I'd sort of been in that space of like, um, I really like being in charge though, so that I can make myself valuable to others so that other people will need me and then I will feel like I belong, right? Like right. it's sort of the classic Enneagram 2 dilemma of like, yeah. how do I make myself valuable to others so that I can be wanted and needed? Um, and so I, I remember the day, sort of that same week, going to therapy and then it's Wednesday morning, it's time to go to church with the ladies mm-hmm. and time to lead group. And I remember deciding, I will not tell them what's happening. I will not tell them that I'm in the middle of a real crisis and going that morning and sitting in the room with them and then not being able to hold what was happening and sort of spilling out the information. Mm -hmm. This is what's happening. This is where we're at and being in tears. And then I remember I could still hear the sound of like all of them scooching their chairs Mm -hmm. in a tight circle around me and holding me while I sobbed. And I was like, I have never experienced that before. I've never experienced what it's like to be completely vulnerable and terrified and also deeply held Mm -hmm. at the same time. And it was so powerful that I'm just like, I I need more of this. I need yeah. this all day. This is what <laughs> this, this should be. This is what this should mm-hmm. be like. So um, that certainly has informed what I'm trying to do as a therapist, what I'm trying to do as a leader of a group of therapists is create that kind of experience for people. Like you can come in here and we've got you yeah. and we're going to surround you and we're going to create experiences for you to be surrounded by other people mm-hmm. Yeah, where you can feel that intense, like you're not crazy. Uh, we're all in the middle of this yeah. and we're going to find a way out. Yeah. Sure. Right. So then you go back to school. Yeah. Get your master's. Yeah. Start becoming a therapist. Yeah. But the, the practical reality of being a therapist didn't quite initially didn't yeah. quite match up with the vision that you had can yeah. you talk about your early days as a therapist not this is before you started talking her right, it's just right practicing yeah like i i think um i think when i started i didn't know any better but uh i didn't i didn't know that it didn't totally resonate for me but over the years as i was like i was doing these things on the side with women where there's a lot of authenticity and there's a lot of like we're all in the same boat kind of a feeling Um, And then coming to a practice where, like, there's a locked door between the waiting room and the therapist's office. There's a glass window between the receptionist and the clients. And there were just a lot. And then there was, like, a lack of authenticity in the staff, right? We're just going to talk about cases in a very clinical way, but we're not going to say, I'm actually really struggling. I don't know what to do. This is tapping into my own stuff. I need to talk about that for a minute. I need help sorting out like, why am I so angry at this client? Why am I so afraid? Why can't I sleep at night? Because I'm worrying about this story that someone told me. Like there there was just pieces missing for me that I'm like, "I, I don't feel like we're very healthy and we're creating this distance that doesn't feel necessary. Like, 
we're not working with serial killers, right? right, like, right, right. We don't need a locked door. We don't need to send a message. We are. We need to keep ourselves safe from you. Like right. that feels so disrespectful to me, mm, right? Yeah. And I know that it's very common, right? But I just like it. Just felt so wrong to me. So there are things like that. Like over over time, when I've when I had more capacity in my life, as my kids were getting older, uh, I let myself be bothered by those things more. Right. Yeah, I think like the experience I've had at times as a client in early days of therapy before I found a good fit of my own was like, I feel like I'm a case study to you or yes. you're like dissecting yes. me. Yes. Like, do you, I, do I, do you actually care about me right. or is, am I just like a puzzle for you to figure out yeah. for 50 minutes before you move on to your next client? Right. It sounds like your heart was for like far more relational yeah. and... Um, authentic yeah. connection right. with your clients. Right. And I think, you know, in their defense, uh, you know, other therapists, yes. like, that's what they're taught to do. Right. Is to create a lot of, like, boundaries to protect yourself from your clients being too close to you or all of that stuff to protect right. you from being too close to them. Right. Um, Which is good and necessary in it, a lot of cases. It is. And, yeah. It is. And it's uh, also unhelpful when it's unnecessary. Right. right? So mm. those were the things that I wanted. I wanted us to be able to decide when to let people in a little bit more and when to be a little more casual with people, when to be a little friendlier to people, when to be warmer to people. Mm -hmm. Like the the average client can handle all of that, can process all of that without trying to follow you home. Right. I can say your shoes are so cute. Where did you get that? Right. And that client is not going to ask me for my phone number. Can she come to my Christmas party? (laughs) She's she's just not going to do that. Why am I protecting myself from things that are not going to happen? Right. Right. So I just wanted an environment that was more respectful of the kind of clients we were working with. Yeah. In other environments, yeah, they, they're, we need those tighter parameters. Mm-hmm. We need some protection, but not in private practice doing right. what we're doing. We just didn't need those things. Right. And they're off-putting to clients, right, yeah. who are more grounded than, than that. Yeah. So when soul care did become, could become a, of a more practical reality, yeah. you had the resources and vision mm-hmm. and your kids were off, and you had more space and time for it, there was still some trepidation because it was such an enormous task. Yeah. And um, you've mentioned before how much Ken pushed you forward with soul Mm -hmm. care. Can you tell us how he impacted kind of the initial creation of it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, sort of uh, throughout our relationship together, Ken was always the person who would say, um, of course you're going to do that, right? And it's, it's one of the huge gifts that he gave me, and it's, it's why I, he left me stronger than he found me, mm. um, that he, he always believed in who I was as a person, apart from our relationship, right? There was a lot of complexity there, but as a person, he could see who I was, yeah. even when I couldn't see who I was. Yeah. And he was always the person who was saying, of course you're going to get that book published. Of course you're going to start your own business. Of mm. course, you know, all the things, right? So uh, when I started talking about doing this idea, it's like, how much money do you need to do it, right? Like, yeah. where are we going to go do that? Like, what do you need? How can I help you? And I would have never done it without that kind of support um, because I, I wasn't sure that I could. I just knew that I had this idea right. that felt like I had to try. I think I sort of thought, I'm going to try and it's not going to work and then I'll be I'll be free of the... I'll be like, well, I tried. <laughs> <laughs> I tried and I failed, right? Yeah. 
so um, we started looking in this area. I just was daydreaming, like, what would be a cool area? And I, I still remember driving around one day and going, it'd be so cool to be in the Mission Hills area. This is a such a cute street. Mm-hmm. And I remember this thinking, street yeah, particular. this street West in Lewis particular. Street. Yeah. Wow. And I remember thinking, that's ridiculous. Who do you think you uh. are? <laughs> right? I remember thinking that. And then uh, my friend Leanna Tankersley, who I talk about incessantly and can't get enough of, she was living close by in this area and she was out for a walk with her babies. And she called me on the phone and she said, I just found the soul care house. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so she sends me the address. She's like, this is your house. So I we drive over there and we're like... What was it before? It was... It was a rental. It was like, it was, yeah, a family. I guess people had sort of come and gone. It had been for sale for a long time. So it was a house. People it, were living yeah, in it. Yeah, people okay. were living in it. And uh, we walked in there. I remember the three of us walking in at Ken and Leanna and I. And going like, this is it. This is this is Soul Care. This is where we're going to do our thing. Um, and then we couldn't get funding. Mm-hmm. So, right, that was the thing. And, and for a while I was like, let's keep trying, let's keep trying. And I was in. And then as more and more people said no, and Ken did the lion's share of that work for sure, of trying to get the funding. I was like, by November, that was September, by November, I'm like, I just think we're probably not supposed to do it. Like, all of these shut doors must mean that this is a bad idea, right? Because right? <laughs> I was getting afraid of, like, the expense that I'd be taking on right. and, like, would I get the right people? And I've never run a business. What the hell do I know, right? <laughs> so all of that got in the way. And Ken's just like, we're doing this. He's like, he's not like, taking no. no. He's like, this is a man who doesn't take no for an answer. It's only, this is what he says, it's only a no until it's a yes. Oh. Right? Yeah. So when he decides that something is a good idea, and this is like classic Ken, when somebody, when he decides something is a good idea, he spends time on the front end really evaluating, crunching numbers, like, you know, all the stuff. And then when he decides good idea, 100% in, no possible yeah. way to talk no about it. No This is happening. This is <laughs> happening. You're in or you're out, but this is happening. Right? So, <laughs> so And it happened. And it did. It did. Yeah, he got somebody to say yes. And he's like... There you go. Merry Christmas. Yeah. And you were like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. What are we going to do and now? And now like, oh shit. Yeah, now I have to do something with this <laughs> yeah. house. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So what were those early days like? Uh, I assume you had to do some remodeling to the house yes, in particular. Yes, we did. Spend some more money. Spend some more money. <laughs> yeah, that was great. You had to hire a staff. Yes. And you had to look for people who were the right fit, who yes. you felt like were aligned with your vision for yes. what therapy could be. And yeah. uh, not just a ther- not just therapy, but a therapeutic team could be. Totally. Um, so what were those early days yeah. like in finding a team and making the house and finding good fits? Yeah. I mean, I think it was always between excitement and panic about the whole Mm -hmm. thing um but i felt i felt like i found some folks that i was like people that i actually had known before and that felt like i feel good about these folks being part of the team Mm -hmm. and so i feel like i can move forward because these people are with me right um and of course laura gordon was she and i had worked together for a number of years and she was coming with me and i'm like well if i have have laura in my pocket i'm good to go Mm -hmm. right so yeah um, so she helped me paint the whole dang place and She's got a scar in her arm for where she fell in a hole while we were moving a couch. She still has a scar. She does, yeah. Yeah, check her arm out, right. Okay. Yeah. I won't even tell her why. Yeah. Here it is. Oh, got it. Ah, Elaine, what did she do to me? So, um, yeah, I felt real good about that. And there were a lot of missteps of, like, how do you lead? How do you lead a team um, in a way that's effective, that like is getting things done, but it's also creating a sense of community of like yeah. a shared 
we're sharing the space, we're sharing our lives, we're doing the work, and I need you to do your job, right? right. Like that, that was complicated sure. to do. Yeah. I think, I think one of the things that I, one of the ways I conceptualized that was like, oh, this is actually not that different from being a mother, mm. right? Like you got mm. it. Everybody needs to know where their stuff is. Everybody needs to keep their room clean. Right. <laughs> Everybody needs to know what their requirements are and the what what are the expectations and what are the consequences when those right. aren't met. And and then they need the nurture yeah. too. So I was right. like, oh, okay. I, I can do that. I do have some training yeah. in that about 20 years. Mm-hmm. I've been doing that. So um, that actually helped me a lot. It was like just sort of conception like, uh, conceptualizing like that, like, it's similar. It's right. not the same, mm-hmm. but it's similar in like some of the skill sets right. yeah. of like managing the complexity of all the different people and all the places there that mm-hmm. that they need to be and all of that. What were you looking for in those early therapists? And I guess what do you continue to look for mm-hmm. in the therapists that you hire and bring on? Yeah, I, I think it's a, a complex um, combination, right? Of like, I, I want you to be real smart. Yep. Um, and I want you to be really into this process. Like, I don't want this to just be a job. I want this to be who you are. Mm. So I'm also looking for like passion and giftedness, right? Like some folks are real smart and really want to help people, but like they can't attune. They, they can't sit with people easily. It's like, it's work for them to stay in the room. It's work for them to manage themselves. Right. It's like, well, that's not going to work for me. I need people who are wired to do this. Right. right? So, and then I like a little hustle, right? Like I like a little, like you want it, you understand that we are building this together. I'm not going to hand you a caseload. I need you to help me create a caseload for you. I'll do everything I can. Right. So I'll do important. I'll do what I can, but I also need you to hustle. Yeah, I need you to really want it. Right. So a, it's a lot of things, right? And also, um, I always say I need people who are smoking what they're selling. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, That's on our website. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel very, very strongly about that. Talk about what you mean when you say that. Yeah, I just mean that like this is real for you. I think one of the things that. Um, was super helpful to me in my relationship with Ken is like, if I'm working with couples during the day and I'm helping them do certain things to try certain things, to talk to each other in certain ways, it's like, I cannot go home and look at myself in the mirror if I'm not attempting this in my own relationship, right? right? Or helping people parents, like you have to be doing these things. You actually have to believe what you're doing, right? right? I don't want to be like, um, an auto mechanic who can't, who has to like take the bus to work because he can't fix his own car, right? It's <laughs> right. like, and certainly, certainly areas of my life are going to be unfinished and in mm-hmm. process. But I, I want myself and people on the team to be like, we are always trying to grow. We are always looking. We are always aware that there is more work to be done, right. and that our reactivity is going to get triggered, and we're going to do and say dumb things to each other and potentially to our clients and. I want people to have enough self-awareness to say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. That was not helpful. I could see by the look on your face that you felt judged by that. Let's talk about that. Right. So much of the metaphor that we use so often with our clients is they're, they're on the, this journey um, of life mm-hmm. and that we are joining them on their journey for a particular season. Yes. And, and, and walking alongside them through a difficult time in their marriage or trying to recover from an addiction or an yeah. eating disorder or struggling with depression or anxiety, that this is just where they are in their journey. Mm-hmm. And we are, um, we, we certainly believe that we can 
help and be of service and mm-hmm. be a guide of sorts, but that we're we're fellow journeymen and journey Absolutely. women. And so if we're smoking what we're selling, we're, we're, we realize we're also on a journey. Yeah. That we also have, we have our own process, we have our own progress. So many of us are in spiritual direction of ourselves or therapy in mm-hmm. ourselves and that. Um, although we, we certainly like to be above um, a certain level of dysfunction, right? We want to be <laughs> stable so. enough to yeah. be able to help others. Yeah. That doesn't mean that we don't have our own stories and our own struggles and our own process as well. Yeah. And having a sort of transparency with that um, and, and saying that although we do feel like we can help, we're also on this journey as well. Yeah. Um, is really important, it feels like, for the people that you look for. And Absolutely. Look to hire. Yeah, I mean, I think we're in danger of hurting clients if, we're, if we don't have a high degree of self-awareness. It's just inevitable that you're going to hurt people if you're not paying attention to your own stuff. Right. And that's unacceptable to me, right? right. So. We can't be, we can't be grossly out of shape dietitians, right? We exactly. Have to, we're going to be a dietitian and be like, here's what's healthy for your body. Yes. We can't like, or a doctor, we can't yes. be like smoking a cigarette and yeah, like tell me all about, eating yeah. nine Twinkies in the morning. <laughs> exactly. We have to like. Tell me about your uh-huh. exercise routine. Right. Yeah. Why don't you tell me about yours? yours. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, I can remember like maybe six years ago hearing about Soul Care House really? as just like a floating person out oh. in the world. I can remember hearing and cool, it was always talked about with such like a, a feeling of like, I can't explain it, but it was always so different than hearing about therapy mm. normally. It was like yeah. a feeling of just like being home and Good. being in a beautiful space and and so it's cool to think about far before working here, I was Aww. hearing about Soul Care House. Yeah. And we never so would have happy. known that you, years later, you would have been saving us all right? on a daily basis. <laughs> and that so Soul true. Care would be the reason that I'm going to be a therapist in the future. Yes. Yeah. We like that. We yeah. like that. Um, so Soul Care then expanded from one house to two, mm-hmm. and you built a freaking barn in <laughs> behind the second barn. house. Yep. So... Uh, did you always have that idea, or did it did that not occur to you until after you had the initial vision up and running? Did you want like a big event space? Or? Yeah. Initially, uh, we were trying to do all these events in the house, and as we got fuller, it just became impossible. We were like blocking off the front room so we could do a workshop. There's like an art therapy thing happening out there. We got clients coming around the back for their sessions, and they're sitting in this hallway. I'm like, this is actually not going to work mm-hmm. long term. Like the yeah. busier we get we're busting at the seams, so we need more space. And I happen to be walking down the street, as I do a million times a week, um, and I, for some reason, I I stopped at this house. It had actually been for sale for probably a year or so. And for some reason that day, it's like, we should buy that house. And it had never dawned on me huh. before. I'd seen it for sale all, right. the, all those times I walked by. For some reason that day, it was sort of like the morning I woke up with that idea. Yeah. It was crystal clear we should buy this house. Wow. So then I got back to Ken. <laughs> I got another idea. He's like, great. We'll go figure that we're, out. We're doing it. We're doing it. <laughs> and it had a larger space in the backyard, so it allowed us to build this big structure mm-hmm. that we call the barn. And I was like you know, beyond happy about that, that now we had a place, that house is just therapy, then we come over here for our workshops, mm-hmm. and then eventually we took this house over as well, and yeah, so now we're downsizing, right, so now we're going back a little bit to our roots, sure. where we're like we're all in the same spot, um, but we have our barn, so I feel like that house was a way to get to this house mm-hmm. somehow, and this house feels like the full manifestation of that picture mm-hmm. in my head all those years ago. Yeah. You, uh, 
you've mentioned this a few times before that sometimes when you're leaving the office, you'll see like groups going mm. on in the barn or workshops mm-hmm. going on in the barn. It makes you a bit emotional. It does. Can you talk about the feeling that arises in you when you yeah. see that event space being used? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it takes me back to that morning with the ladies in my group, right? It's the, it's the opportunity for people to sit with other folks um, and feel that sense of uh, being seen and heard and accepted yeah um you know like there's there's only it's different being sitting with a therapist is a little different than sitting with a group of people right like a therapist you expect a therapist to get you Mm -hmm. to understand to empathize you expect all of that because it's their job but when a group of other people who are not responsible for taking care of you you're not paying them to take care of you when they scooch their chairs in close to you and they say i know exactly what you're talking about i feel just like that i did the same thing last night I know what that feels like, and then my shame voice kicks up, and I get really lost in that, and another person says, oh my gosh, me too, me too, right? Like, there's that is so powerful to me. So when I see people sitting in the barn, and they're having an opportunity to do that for each other, for themselves, I do get emotional. I just, like, I tear up a little bit. I'm like, that's what that's for. That's what that's for. So people can feel seen and heard by a group of other folks who will, they'll give life to each other. Mm-hmm. They'll help each other heal together. Yeah. It's just it's just it's a magical. super powerful thing. It's, it's magical, cool. yeah. So we're in the middle of doing, well, we're kind of on a on a trek of Enneagram workshops right now. Yeah, right? we are. We did one on nine, we yeah. did one on four, and then there's one coming up on twos. Two, oh, there is one yeah. coming up on twos. Ruby and I are doing twos. Elaine and Ruby, our, our resident Enneagram twos, are doing one on twos. Uh-huh. That's awesome. And then I'm doing one on threes. Yes. Coming up. Um... And then I wanted to kind of take this opportunity to talk to our podcast listeners about another idea that I have mm-hmm. that we're starting. This is going to make me cry too. <laughs> <laughs> so it's this monthly thing. I don't know what to call it. Um, it's not a workshop. It's not group therapy. It's not traditional therapy. Um, but it's going to be on Saturday mornings and I'm going to call it, uh, it's going to be once a month and it's going to be called Equanimity Saturdays. Can you tell us what equanimity is? I can. I had to look it up. Equanimity means mental calmness, composure, and evenness of temper, especially in a difficult situation. And this, these Saturdays are meant to be a space where we can really lean into that idea in the midst of a lot of like personal problems or mm-hmm. like the crazy social up and political upheaval that our culture is going through. And it seems like you can't turn on the news without some insane event that kind of can be really deeply troubling. Mm-hmm. And so with equanimity, we want, what we want to do is create a space that's kind of in the eye of that hurricane that is meant for like rejuvenation and 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 refreshment and so um what's going to look like practically is just it's going to be an hour and 15 minutes and the barn is going to be set up with different tables and each table is going to have their own different activity that's meant to promote some sort of self-reflection mm-hmm. and self-expression. I'm going to be coming to that. Yeah, it yeah. sounds <laughs> And so like examples of this might be like a journaling prompt at one table or um, an artistic activity at another table or a mindfulness activity at another table or uh, an exercise of self-compassion at another table. And there's going to kind of be music going on. We'll also have our comfy couches, which you can you know, mm-hmm. use to journal or just reflect or spend some quiet time there. There, of course, is going to be coffee and tea. We want to make it as cozy as possible. Um, at the beginning of each, there's just going to be like a five-minute little, like, I'm just going to introduce the time, maybe give like a five minute talk on some concept. It might be compassion, it might be 
um, resilience mm-hmm. or, or something. And so the idea is just kind of for people to, wherever they are on their journey, to just like stop and pause and come and take what they're going through, take whatever is kind of um, heavy on their heart for that time and and engage in a time of self-reflection, processing, um, and creation. We, I, I want it to be. I want there to be some expression involved as well. Mm-hmm. This isn't group therapy. There are no group activities. You're not going to be forced to share anything. That's good to know. Um, so yeah. it's it's, yeah. it's introverts. <laughs> you don't have to be afraid of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the other the other part along with that is, um, I think we do want to create community here at Soul Care House, and so. Um, and I can't tell you, you know, I, the majority of my clients are male, and I can't tell you how many times I've heard the expression, like, I don't have anyone else to talk to about this. Yes. Like, yes, talking, about, like uh, talking about, like, talking about my family of origin, or talking about this insecurity, or talking about these struggles I'm having, like, yeah, I, this is the only place I go. Yeah. I don't know how to have these conversations. And so, I also want this place to be a, a space, if you want to. It's not going to be forced on you where you right. can meet other like-minded individuals so good. who value their own personal journey, who value introspection, who yeah. value authenticity. Yeah. Um, and so there's going to be an opportunity for that if you want to. If you just want to come, engage in activities, and bolt mm-hmm. and leave, go do your thing. Yeah. There's absolutely no pressure for you to talk yeah. to anyone. Like, um, But there is going to be space if people want to afterwards. The barn's going to be open for like a half hour afterwards if people just want to chill and hang out and talk and share about what that experience was like for them. Um, with zero expectation or mm-hmm. um, or pressure for you to do that. It's awesome. So. And we'll have that on our website, and pe- people can sign up for one uh, one Saturday at a time. They can come to all of them if they want. They can come to one. They yep. can come to as many as they want. So there's no commitment. Correct. You can come and go as it's you 20 like. bucks. Yeah. I'm not looking to make a lot of profit out of this. We're just yep. looking to create a space for people to, again, kind of take another step in their therapeutic journey, have some space to kind of reflect on yeah. on their, yeah. on what they're going through. I'm looking forward to it, Matt. We'll see. I'm just going to try it. I'm going to do it for six months. If like two people come the first time or like no one comes, that's yeah. okay. I'm going to try it the next month. Yeah. Well, and I'm going to give you my see. 20 bucks right now so that you can save me a spot. Great. Perfect. Um, well, so let's get back to your part in all this. Mm. Um, you are doing... Um, you're about to host your first remote soul care house oh, retreat. Oh, jeez, I sure am. Yeah, sure on Orcas am. Island, which is off the coast of Washington. Yes, right? yes. And it's going to be a women's retreat with Leanna. Uh-huh. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. And, yeah. Well, Leanna and I have dreamt about doing these kinds of things for a long time, and we did one in the barn um, that was obviously not a sleepover. There's no beds in there. <laughs> but um, uh, about three years ago, um, Ken and I um, purchased this property on Orcas Island, and um, you know, it's a place that's really special to our family, especially now that Ken is gone and, um, we're very attached to it, but we also have this strong sense of like, we have to share this space. It's beautiful. It's on the water, it's in the trees and it's just stupid, dumb, beautiful. (laughs) Right. So, um, we're really excited about, um, this event. It's already full and, um, we'll be, we'll be leaving to go up there in a few weeks and do that first 
But then, there's going to be more. So Oh, there's going to be more. Yeah, yeah if you yeah. want to get on the wait list, we already have a wait list yeah. started, so just let us know. Yeah, we want to do some writer's retreats. We want to do a bunch of different kinds of things in that space. Um, so you see this these retreats being a part of, very much a part of the soul care yeah. future. And yeah. Kind of the, you've, you've started a therapy practice, you wrote a, a few books, yeah. and now you feel like what retreats are, like this mm-hmm. new venture you want to go yeah. off into. Not yeah. that you haven't done them before, but... Yeah, but, um, but it's real actually different. remote and yeah. having a group of people together in one house for a weekend. Right, and really getting away, right? Like Orcas Island is really away. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I'm thrilled about, about doing those things and we'll see, you know, we'll see what all we do up there. But like, I can't, I can't wait for the first one. It's going to be really exciting. Well, Elaine, thanks for being on the hot seat today and telling us a little bit more of your you story. And yeah. we're all excited to see where Soul Care House goes from here. You just never know. Can't wait. I might wake up with another great idea. Ooh, how exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye.